Welcome to the Spiritual Geek Out Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Hudock, where we have fun talking about the phenomenal and the fascinating. From angels to energy healing, from mystical places to mystical teachings, this is a place where we nerd out on the science of the soul. Ani Williams is a world-renowned harpist and singer, author, and sound therapist. She's performed worldwide since the 1980s and has recorded more than 24 albums of original music based in ancient spiritual traditions. She's done seminal research in sound healing and the relationship between musical tones, the human voice, and healing. And in 1994, she founded Sangaya Sound Medicine and is a practitioner and lecturer on hermetic sound alchemy, which is the mirroring of the song of the stars in the human energy field. She presents seminars and trainings in Europe, Mexico, and the United States, and her writings, of which are many, have been published in international magazines and in three books. And that's just her short bio. I can't wait for you guys to learn more about her, this incredible work that she does, and apply it to your life. Ani Williams is here in the house. I'm so excited. You are, you are the bomb, and I can't wait to get into everything that you do so people can just be um, educated on not just the power of music, but the phenomenal capacity for toning and sound to literally change their lives. And I, I say that wholeheartedly, not to be overly dramatic, but because as we were just talking before we got on, um, your work has been very seminal in as of late and what's happening with me and how toning using sound is um, really a vehicle for transformation. So thank you for being here, Ani. Thank you, Diane. Well, I thought we'd begin from a sort of nerdy place. It is the spiritual geek out podcast after all. Uh, The theoretical physicist, Michio Kaku, who said, the universe is a symphony of vibrating strings. We are melodies, cosmic music played out on vibrating strings. And he goes on to say that the latest version or name for string theory or is M theory, which means membrane or the subatomic particles we see in nature are nothing but notes that we see on a tiny vibrating string. And he goes on to say that the laws of physics are nothing but the laws of harmony that you see vibrating on a tiny string. And chemistry is nothing but the melodies that you can play interacting on tiny vibrating strings. And then he goes on to say that the (laughs) universe is a symphony of vibrating strings. Okay, and then he says, well, If you're wondering what the mind of God is, the mind of God is cosmic music, cosmic music vibrating through 11 dimensional hyperspace. And uh, my big broad question to start off with you, Ani, is, well, 
with your work, where do you come in on all of this? <laughs> Good question. It's a big, it's a big one. I mean, if the whole universe is singing, then we must be singing as well, which, you know, physicists and, and medical research is showing. It's such an exciting time. Um, you know, when you were talking about it, it Michio is, is one of my favorite theoretical physicists. I just love him because he puts things into uh, a context that we can kind of get as a visualization that the whole universe is singing and every particle is singing and every chemical is singing. And, and I, I, I first had the sense of that. Did you ever hear of rebirthing? Yeah. Woman named Sonny Ray in, in the 70s or oh, 80s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I used to do that. And yeah. I remember one of the most potent rebirthing sessions. I came out of it because you're just breathing and breathing and breathing through all of your stuff and all of your blockages. And they just keep exploding and dissolving. And I ended up out of this session with God is the oneness of all tones. Now, this was about 1980, and I thought, what the hell? It, I thought, is that possible? You know, and so that's how I would relate my beginning to what Michio says, um, that everything is singing. And then, and then another breakthrough occurred when I started visiting Egypt's temples, and I think that's when the big breakthrough happened, that I realized that not only were the temples responding and resonating more strongly with particular tones and frequencies, but that my brain state was changing when I was in those temples with particular frequencies intoned or played on the harp. Not only that, but the brain state would change and my consciousness would change. So then I started delving in more deeply. Yeah, how sound affects us in a very dynamic and and specific way. Mm. Well, I have a few sort of a series of questions, some that I know, but some that I deliberately want to hear you answer. so I can not only educate my audience, but also really just hear it from your perspective and your expertise. And, and the first question that comes to mind is, can you explain the music of the spheres and what is it and how it, how it relates to proportions of the planets in our solar system and, and really how, why that matters and how it affects us all? I love your questions, Diane. They're they're big kind of cosmic questions. They are? Oh, my gosh. Is it the Gemini in me? Well, you know, I'll I'll answer this to my knowledge. Um, It it kind of started in our historical awareness with Pythagoras. Of course, the science of the music of the stars was known by the Chaldeans and the um, Egyptians. But some of this was lost, and, and, and Pythagoras really brought it home when he said the, the ratio of the planets, the distances from the sun, uh, create specific proportions 
those distances have proportions to each other. And those proportions happen to be musical. Mm. And they form what's called the Fibonacci series, which is also harmonic and musical. So that's one of the, our first historical references. And um, what we found is the music of the spheres or the music of the specific planets and the sun and the moon are directly impacting each individual, each bio field is responding mm -hmm. to those frequencies. We know we can measure the response of a stone, a megalithic standing stone, say, at sunrise, responds differently because of the sun's emanations and the electromagnetic interchange between the heavens and the earth. So we're the same. And human beings are affected by this music of the spheres. And um, specifically, we can, we can look at that pattern by looking at where those planets were, where the sun and the moon were at the moment of birth for each individual. Mm. And this is something that was done in the Neoplatonic Academies of Marsilio Ficino, which is patterned after the Pythagorean and Platonic schools. Hmm. Can, can you just explain to what hermetic sound science is and go a little bit into that history? Yeah, well, we were just touching on that um, yeah. the last bit. Hermes really Thoth Jehuti was the great wise teacher in Egypt. And that's where we get the word hermetic, okay. Hermes, the hermetic teachings from Egypt. And th the Egyptians were relating sound to everything. They knew that the stars were singing in us as living beings. There's a, an inscription on the Dendera wall that says something like, uh, the sky and its stars are singing in you. Mm. And when I heard that, I thought, wow. And so then I started realizing that hermetic really in, encompasses all of these ancient teachings of the connection between the heavens and the earth and how we can benefit by knowing more of that science. For sure, for sure. Well, it makes me think about the 12 tones in music and the musical scale. And my question is, well, like in Arabic, if, if I'm correct, there was like a 17 note scale back in the 13th century. Why do we only have 12 tones? Or is there really just undiscovered tones? Very good question, Diane. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> I love your questions. So, so our, our 12 tone scale is a very simplified scale. It's almost as if humanity is in a little box of acceptable you know it's like the 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 six eight rhythm instead of a seven thirteen or something you know uh -huh. we're in a, a real constricted little box of acceptable musical scales in the west but in the east not only the arabic scales but the the vedic traditions of music 
are much more expanded. They have microtonal variations. Little example is I, I was interviewed by a uh, well, an expert in Middle Eastern music, and he was interviewing me to sing on some of his things. And he came to my home and tested my voice, and he said, "Ah, oh, she'll never do," you know, because I I wasn't getting those fine quarter tones, eighth tones, you know, and you have to be trained in that. So anyway, I use the 12 tone musical scale because that's what we, you know, it's, it's an easy way and it's approachable for people, but there is what's called a microtonal scale. And of course we're using those also in medicine. We're using very specific frequencies in medicine. I'm not personally but there are, uh, there is a lot of research being done at, say, Harvard Medical School, Stanford University, um, using very fine frequencies that are between the notes that we use as musical tones, that they're finding that they can apply those frequencies and dissolve a kidney stone or change the genetic code of uh, colon cells, for instance, if someone has colon cancer. They've identified the gene activity in musical tonality. Mm -hmm. And they found that when a, or before a disease even manifests, that they can identify the dissonance and the discord in the musicality of the gene activity. It's amazing. I mean, that is phenomenal. And that's so up my alley because I think it's the future of medicine, you know, sound and yeah. light, sound yeah. and light, sound and light. Um, well, it, it brings me to think about one of your first teachers you mentioned in a talk, Sherry Edwards, uh, one of your more scientific teachers. And I'd love if you could just share her discovery where you talk about she noticed that um, she could hear certain distinct tones emanating from people, right? And when she sang the same tone or song frequency back to them, there was this extreme incredible phenomenon that took place. What happened? Right. What she has explained and um, is that when she was working uh, in acoustical research at the University of Ohio, I believe it was. She was working with an audition specialist and this hearing specialist. And it was with him that she was hearing this frequency, although she heard it from many people. And he said, well, sing that frequency back to me. And when she did, his blood pressure dropped dramatically and he kind of crumbled. Wow. <laughs> And she realized, they both realized at that moment that they needed to do more research on this because some tones would have a very beneficial effect and other tones would, would maybe put things out of balance. So, you know, in this time of the, all the hype about sound therapy, mm -hmm. um, it's really important to get into the science of it and to know what tones we're using. You know, because each tone has a different effect for each individual. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Well, from your research and your very rich experience and knowledge of the science of sound medicine, uh, another broad but important question, how does all of life or the qualities of it, how are they determined by specific frequencies? I would say my work is finding the key tone, the yeah. main frequency for each person that can help to liberate them. Yeah. So in applying that to what you said, how yeah. is a main tone able to shift life or shift our reality in some way? I can respond to that. Yeah. Is that kind of what you meant? Yes, yes. Well, actually, that's a great lead-in because it brings me to the quote of um, the Sufi master, Hazrat Inat Khan, right, which right. is on their website. The person who has found the keynote in their voice has found the key to their life. And, of course, your work is just that, helping people find the keynote. And I'd love for you to go into that because I had an extraordinary experience with you having a voice analysis, and I started toning. And I started seeing shifts across the board in just it was like in my face because when people go, well, come on, is it really just a coincidence? And it's like, no, it's like I started toning and then it was like the, the dam broke. And I mean, <laughs> it was incredible. And I'm someone who works in sound. So I have a few questions to unpack around this. The first thing is what's the difference or what is it about the potency of toning versus just listening to frequency? Because there's tons of people. I think of my husband. He loves to listen to binaural beats, right? Or we'll listen, we'll go to a sock song and we'll listen to someone singing, you know, um, the Hanuman Lisa right. or what have you. Right, right. But you may not tone. And we talked about how, you know, you really want to, tone because that that activates right. things right you right. go into that what is the difference yeah. really between listening yeah. to sound and receiving it and really toning the sound right right well you mentioned going to a satsang and and hearing beautiful mantras and that yeah. has a very powerful effect as we both know um but if you yourself are toning there's an immediate shift in the brain state and there's an immediate resonating that occurs through the bones, through the tissues. And in the act of toning, we are, at, uh, we are resonating the whole cranial area through the upper jaw bones and into the head. And it has a dramatic effect on the higher centers that control our perceptions and our state of awareness, our consciousness. So what I have found, and this is going back to Hasrat and Yakan's quote, mm -hmm. that the person who has found the key to their voice has found the key to their life. When I read that ages ago, 1970 or something, I just thought, I mean, you know, when, when something is right for you, the lights go off in your head. Well, I just, I thought, yeah, that's really true. And then when I studied with Sherry Edwards, I found out a way through voice analysis to identify 
what that specific ketone that liberates one's life is. And it can all be read in the voice. Mm-hmm. And because the brain as a grand computer controls all of our sensory, um, how, how we see, how we hear, how we taste is all controlled in the brain. And if the brain's tuned up, we can see better. We can perceive, and this goes back to those limited frequencies or more expanded frequencies beyond the 12 tones. We can see colors between the main colors that we normally see. We can start seeing subtle, subtle frequencies. We can start hearing subtle frequencies. And there's something called nada. It means the the sound or the, you, you brought up uh, the uh, music of the spheres. It's kind of like nada. It's the subtle, inaudible frequencies that are opened up. If we start using our voices in specific tones that are specific to what we need, mm-hmm. you know, our own ketones that liberate us. And it's not all the heart tone F sharp, and it's not all A432, you know, things are reduced to such a simplistic uh, model in our time because people want a quick fix. But if you find the tone that you need, which is revealed in the voice, and you start toning, everything turns on. Things start becoming coherent. Mm Mm-hmm. I, and I mean, I can attest to that. I've only been doing these tones for what, a week? And it's, mm. it's sensorially different. And, uh, and I, I can feel myself, and it's so subtle, but yet it's so profound in its subtlety. I can feel in my, my voice, in my body, that my tone, you may not hear it, but I hear it. I'm, it's like I'm using my voice differently. It's like there's a, a more open canal or freeway of expression. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's sensorial, like it's physically palpable, you know. Um, well, the voice does change when yeah. we're toning. It becomes deeper and more resonant and fuller, more expanded, freer. And so when we say something, people stand up and listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, if you have a, a squashed voice range, which most people are only operating out of half of the frequencies possible in their voice, just like our brains are operating at a small capacity. And, and when we start toning the tones that are missing in our voice that bring in that ketone, mm-hmm. um, then our voice expands and people feel that energy and especially if we're toning from the hara you know you who know yoga and and energy medicine you know if we're toning from the hara from that deep place instead of just up in the head which a lot of people are speaking in a really thin you know up here somewhere yep and we need to embody that sound yeah, that's so true. Um, question for you, just so I'm clear, and those listening, if they are wondering well, about the ketone. So when we had our session, we found certain key frequencies or tones, notes that were dropping, and those are the ones that are dropping out. Are those my ketones? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so what happens is when I analyze the voice, I use a little machine, right. and it's a little graph that, that comes out. And where you see the biggest uh, tone frequency usage in the voice, yeah. um, that's where the voice is stacked up. That's where we normally speak, the range that, that our voice is. The places that are dropping out are often related to that planetary music that we were born with. Mm-hmm. And this is fascinating. This is, this is the weird part of it. This is bringing in the Neoplatonic academies, uh, you know, and the Pythagorean academies that, that, that were working with the, the celestial sounds and healing with people and liberating souls. So when I analyze a voice, and there's a section dropping out. And say, for instance, that that area of frequency that's dropping out relates to their sun sign, their moon sign. And, you know, that's a huge clue, a huge indicator that that's where it's going to be most powerful to work. Because if you can imagine if you come in to this planet on a particular frequency of a particular, uh, you know, celestial body and you're missing that frequency, how that can liberate when you have wholeness in place. And, and, the, and if you're, you know, you can just listen to the frequency and that does some good. Um, and I have worked with a lot of children and, and autism and so forth. So just putting on the sounds in the background I'm, to calm yeah. down it help, help, is helpful. But toning the tones really does the magic. Yeah, I wanted you to get into that in a little bit too, those experiences you had with the children who were autistic and started sort of turning on their sensory abilities. It's fascinating um, anecdotal evidence there of the power of sound. Um, Question around just your direct experience. Um, When did you learn about, you've been singing for a long time, you've been working with sound for a long time, when did you um, learn about your own voice and your own voice patterns? And for lack of a better word, when you started to correct it or start implementing your ketones, how did your life change and what did you notice? Yeah, that's a really good question. <laughs> I would say I was a bit of a, an emotional basket case in my younger years. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> And I knew that I knew something, but I couldn't get it across. I couldn't communicate it, you know. And then I choose these relationships with men that were really powerful authors, speakers, motivational, you know. And everybody would listen to them. And I'd say something that was, I thought, really right on. It might have even been something that I shared with them and then they went on to to share with people. And people didn't even hear me. Mm. Didn't even hear me because, for one thing, I wasn't speaking from my ground, and and you know from that deep place. But I didn't have my missing tones, and and that fullness, that resonance. When you when you bring in your missing tones, it's like a piece of yourself comes in. So pieces of myself came in, and that my own missing tones related to my moon, mm. which you know, is all about the emotions. And so I started getting more grounded 
And along with that, about the same time that I started toning, I met a Tibetan teacher, so that also helped. So I started doing mantras and, you know, finding my ground. Mm. Um, but basically, I, I found that I, I gained m- more confidence when I had my tones. My, my creative blocks, like I, I was asked to write chapters in books, uh, and I had a huge writer's block. And what I would do is I put my missing tones on in the background and just run them and softly tone along with them. And I just sit down at the computer and just start writing. Mm. And so I broke through writer's block and I broke through performance block. And I and now I've, I've, I've broken through writing my own book. So it's getting close to completion. Beautiful. <laughs> Congratulations. You're just getting started. Well, could you go into a little bit of the transformational stories of working with, I would say the autistic children is phenomenal um, evidence there, but also any transformational stories that you've been uh, bared witness to um, doing this work. I'd love for you to share. Right. There are so many. Um, yeah. uh, so I've been doing this since 1994 um, and I was working for a, m- many months out of every year in Mexico City and working with clinics there and training people that were working in children's clinics of uh, neurologically impaired children, children that um, had a hard time communicating and um, also their muscular, uh, neuromuscular uh, control was was impaired somehow. There is a lot of toxicity in Mexico City, of course. Mm-hmm. It's one of the biggest cities in the world. And so there are a lot of birth defects and a lot of problems with um, children's, uh, you know, just being limited in some way. So I ended up um, training uh, a lot of these practitioners in the children's clinics and they started using the Songhaya sounds that even though they weren't able to analyze their voices, it was very difficult, they would put on the specific tone that related to their issue. Mm. Each of the 12 tones in the music scale relates to specific parts of the body, specific issues, muscles, nerves, etc. And so they would put on the tone that felt like the best match. And what they observed is children that had uh, no muscular control started moving in a very controlled way and moving in a very smooth, coherent way with the, with the Songhaya tones. Mm. And we had other situations where there were, were uh, cases of autism and um, one in particular that always stands out was a little five-year-old boy in Los Angeles. And uh, the parents brought the boy to me and he was totally hyperactive and made no sense in his speech. And the parents were just at their wit's end. They were totally stressed out. And the little boy was running around the house and I tried to follow him around and get a voice analysis, which I did eventually. Mm -hmm. I got the patterns that he was emitting in his voice, even if he wasn't speaking. Mm -hmm. There were 
frequency patterns in his voice. So then we finished that and, and I went over to the harp and I sat down and I started playing one of his missing tones. And I just started a little mantric uh, piece and he stopped running around. He came over to the other end of the harp and started playing a duet with me. Wow. The perfect musical sense. And, and it was like a magical moment. It was a time out of time. He, we finished the piece. He came over and kissed me on the cheek and said harp. And his parents were just melting. They were in tears. And so they got him instruments to play, musical uh, stringed instruments. First of all, they, they would put his tones on at night and play them for him. And they changed his diet. They took away all the sugar they were giving him, trying to appease him, right? Yeah. And then he started naturally playing the tones that he was missing on his stringed instrument. Incredible. And that was the first clue for me that our psychic intelligence, our bio-intelligence knows exactly what we need. Yes, yeah. He naturally gravitated to what he needed. And in all my client sessions, if I just have them visualize, what's your dream? What is your goal? What would you love to be doing more than anything? And if they go into a meditative state and they don't try to make the right tone, they just follow their feeling and follow the breath, they will make that tone that is absolutely their key tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, missing tone that is the tone that will help to liberate and set free their creativity, their goals, their clarity, whatever it is. Mm. Yeah, that's so well said. Makes me think, of course, of biofield tuning. And it's like people ask me, well, how do you know what fork to use? And I'm like, well, you're telling me what fork to use. Your field is telling me what fork to use. And if you don't like it, you'll hear it and I'll feel it. And uh, I'll just go to another frequency. And uh, it's kind of like a reverberating sort of sense where if they don't like it, it's just you get a sort of a, you get this sort of ricocheting effect, you know. That's that's so incredible. That's phenomenal. Well, should we go into a little bit of toning just so people can hear? That would be great. Sure. Well, the, I've, I've done uh, recordings that I usually recommend that people get. Yeah. Um, so I'm not, you know, <laughs> doing yeah. it for everything. But um, I can give it a little example. Right. And this is more or less what I have. Um, the, the recordings I developed as an application for the voice clients um, basically have harp, didgeridoo, Tibetan bowls, uh, whale song, and overtone chanting, which are all uh, instruments and sounds that have been used for healing, associated with healing for you know, thousands of years. And they're magic. Right. I listen to them. I, it's like, um, once you start doing it, it's like, I don't feel good. It's like being a meditator and you don't feel good if you don't meditate every day. I don't feel good if I don't hear those tones now because I know and I can, I've already, it's in my system. And so it's like, I need that food. That's, you know, the minerals that my body needs. I need these sonic minerals. 
Well, that's so well said because the the tones relate to minerals. They relate to not only the frequencies we need, but the parts of the body that get uh, supported and the parts of the energy field that get supported and the nutrients. And it and it's definitely uh, sonic food. Yeah. Definitely. So here's a little uh, sonic piece on the on note D is in darling. Uh, which would correspond to Gemini. And say if a person is a Gemini and uh, their D note is missing, then this note would be quite magical for them to use. So here's the D. sounds or just the closed mouth hum mm -hmm. because each sound has a different effect mm -hmm. so with the closed mouth hum tends to resonate the jaw area even the sternum the cranium all those bones mm -hmm. some of the chants that you put on your sheet that I do for a particular tone, I go, oh, I'm chanting different names for God. You know, Ra, Ah. Right, you know, right. Different sounds, right. singular um, notes, a singular, um, I don't even call them pronouns, but um, names for well, God. Yeah, the Bija, the Bija syllables. right. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and even simpler than the beiges are the vowels. And, and you know, the Egyptians used the vowels, the, the Hebrew, That's the Iyao. And there are even the, in the Gnostic texts um, examples, especially in the Pistis Sophia, the Gnostic text uh, discovered at Nag Hammadi, Egypt, 1945. In, in there, there is a portion where Jesus is offering the disciples a mantra to build a garment of light. And it gives the succession of, of, of vowels. I did a, um, a recording of those vowels in that succession uh, in one of our Troubadour castles nearby here. I can send you the link if you want oh, to share sure. it. We'll put it's it in a powerful uh, vowel chant, and he said it would create a garment of light. So the power of sound, and then specific vowels. So when somebody's toning, they can either use the closed mouth hum or the aum, mm -hmm. incorporating mm -hmm. a little vowel activity. Or a mantra. In fact, I put mantras on the recordings because they have another magic in 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 what they can create: uh, protection, healing, etc., liberation for people that are working with them. Have you heard of um, 
Greg Braden, Greg Braden. Are you aware of Braden's when he when he talks about the DNA, the this he decoding the DNA and that we are God? Um, what did he say? Mention it in another podcast, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So when when you're mentioning DNA, I, I love the connection between finding the frequencies in the DNA and how um, a, a friend of mine uh, named Glenn Ryan, he's a physicist, biophysicist, and um, he's doing a lot of research and discovery around uh, how we can affect DNA braiding. Mm, that's right. Okay. By just emanating the feeling of gratitude and appreciation and our own DNA becomes more coherent. It can even unbraid and rebraid itself in a coherent, perfect way. And he's done the same research regarding sound. He found how DNA could become coherent through sound and appreciation. Fascinating. I mean, this is where my brain just explodes at just what's possible. And not being a not being a scientist, but kind of being a citizen scientist and wanting to go down that rabbit hole and going, well, wait a minute, how can we sort of unlock our DNA and our, our blueprint? And what is what even is our blueprint? If if the stars and the universe is inside of us and that's our blueprint, God, how how intensely, how how phenomenally are we squashing down on our potentiality? And then, of course, working with uh, frequency and sound, it's like, well, Royal Raymond Rice could heal end-stage cancer in two days. Now, granted, cancer, if we just talk about cancer, has mutated over the years, but it, he did it with sound and light, and we know that that's possible. So... It's like, what else is possible, both physically, but also in just unlocking this thing we call humanity? And uh, can it bring us back? And this is going out there, really going out there, but can it help us to stretch ourselves back into those Lumerian times, Lumerian times of awareness and flying around and being 10 feet tall? Yeah, if we want to really stretch here, um, yeah. <laughs> some of the things that have happened over the years of doing my sounds, and then all of a sudden I started hearing sound frequencies emanating from particular planets, and I thought it was going crazy, you know, and I'd, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and hear these frequencies and look out my window, and there would be a planet or a star on Taurus or whatever ringing in the air and I could hear it. It would wake me up. And um, I think we're tapping into, and when you said what we can do, I think we can do everything with, with knowledge of sound science because I'm, I'm also studying the connection between ancient megalithic stone structures mm. and um, how they were arranged with acoustical properties and they were aligned to specific parts of the sky mm. specific stars wow and, and so they are little temple resonators these stones and so if we can just learn what they knew 
we can not only change ourselves, but we can help heal the planet. And we can start turning around the imbalance in the elements. You know, there, there are, it is unlimited. Oh, I mean, that's so exciting. I just got back from Kauai, which was just a Stargate portal of another just level of everything. It just blew my, blew my mind in so many good ways. Right. And we were going into sort of this jungly part of the island and we were walking through this very sacred river and there was this waterfall and it's apparently don't know how long it's been there but they said it could be there for thousands of years and it's this these massive stones and it's 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 a um dedicated to the divine goddess or the hawaiian goddesses or queen and um and it's designed in a line in this configuration with the stars. And when you go in there, I mean, you just feel like you want to bathe in these waters. It was really a place where the, the goddesses bathed. And, um, and it is a palpable energy, a sensation, right. where, you know. Right. And, it, and how did they know that? It's just like Eastern Island, all these places. Uh, even Avesbury, yeah. a lot you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fascinating. How, how did they know it? I how think, did they know uh, it? The information was seeded long, long, long ago on this planet, and we have no idea of mm -hmm. the magnificence of, of the beings who seeded that information, you know, and people put names on it, but uh, it, it's, it's a great mystery. It's a great mystery where we can just pontificate till the day is long. Well, Ani, I'm so grateful for you to come on and just share your wisdom. This is chock full of information, not just for myself, but hopefully for anyone that is curious about the power and the potentiality of sound to literally change their lives, just like it's worth witnessing it changing so many people, myself included, yourself included. And I just think as a consideration, what a world it will be if we could all just be singing our song, if we could all awaken those key notes and be in tune. My God, that's the world I'm seeking to live in and create. And like you said, it's the opportunities that are, are infinite. And, um, but that is here right now. So if you're listening, find out your key, key tone and get going. <laughs> <laughs> Awakening one, one biofield at a time. And, and, and each time another biofield is, is awakened or becoming coherent, the whole symphony rings clear. You know, we, we affect everything. We really do. Well, Ani, all your information will be in the show notes. If there's anything you want to leave the listeners, have at it. Let me know. Let us know. And um, merci beaucoup. Ah, je t'en prie, mon ami. Thank mm. you. <laughs> hey, guys. Thanks for checking out the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. If you like what you're hearing here, check out more by subscribing on your favorite platform or 
go to spiritualgeekout.com.